0: Welcome to The Space of the Waste featuring host Melody Edmondson. Do you struggle with the right look to complement your body shape? Have you tried so many different looks and styles only to be disappointed time and again? You've landed on the right program. We'll show you how to make the right style work in your favor. Now here is Melody Edmondson. Welcome to The Space of the Waste. This is your host Melody Edmondson. Welcome to the Variety Channel. I'm glad you tuned in and we're so happy to have you. We have a, a wonderful group a group of people listening today and I have the wonderful uh, Nova Lorraine who is so accomplished I can't even begin to give you her list of accomplishments, but I'm going to let her do that by herself. So uh, Nova, uh, yes. welcome to the Space of the Waste. Tell us a little bit about how you got so into all of this. And looks like you were born in Jamaica and raised in Connecticut, and one of five. And now you're a fashion maven and a high tech, not uh, a high tech metaverse producer. So I'd like to. <laughs> Have you talk about all of the and you even have NFTs and everything else? So I want you to start talking about that. A lot of that when it gets into the metaverse, I am not well versed on, and that's why you're on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm super passionate about fashion. So whenever I have an excuse to talk about it, and yeah. blending that with emerging tech um, with some of the things that you mentioned. So yeah, currently I'm I I say I'm a futurist. It's I realized that it's something that I've always been but just recently like officializing it with a with this title um with a real love and appreciation for history. And what I what I enjoy doing is taking what we've learned from the past and looking out to the future and figuring out how do you bring what you've learned with what's coming to create the best present day experience for everyone. Yes, I love And that. thank you. And so that's what I do. And I assist founders and brands as an advisor, as a strategist. One of the projects that I'm really excited about that I'm leading is called Lore, uh, L-O-R-R. And it is inspired, the name is inspired by storytelling with the original spelling of Lore, L-O-R-E. And one of the things that I would say actually three things that really attracted me to uh, this project and currently as its chief Metaverse officer and CEO is that they believe in access, sustainability, and interoperability. And these are all really, really important as we move forward in this new paradigm shift. Um, they focus on high-end real estate, making it accessible the virtual and digital twin of real estate, making it accessible to those that may be left behind, underrepresented voices, women, small to mid-sized businesses. So something I'm really, really excited about. Uh, beyond that, um, and let me just gonna go, I'm gonna take a step back okay. prior to uh falling down the rabbit hole of all things web three and emerging tech, once upon a time I was pursuing my PhD in clinical psychology. And Yes, I'm one of six, actually. I'm um, number four. I'm thinking, wow, yeah, I guess I'm number four <laughs> out of six. Um, I'm
0: glad they didn't stop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, was born in Jamaica. Um, the Caribbean and island uh, roots run very strong through my my veins. I'm very much a water girl, ocean girl, oh, wow. ocean lover, uh, na- nature lover. But anyway, yeah, I'm one of six. And... Being an immigrant here and having my parents immigrate here, the the journey that I took from psychology to fashion was really unique because, you know, as a Caribbean, starting off and being the first generation to go to college in this country, education is obviously a very big deal and a way forward for us as immigrants. And so I always took my education very seriously and was very excited when I got into this PhD program, full scholarship. I had a teaching position. And... Shortly after starting the program, very excited about my courses, the research I was doing, the clients I had, slash patients I had, but there was this voice that kept nagging in terms of pursuing this growing love of fashion that had that was within me. And, you know, prior to starting that program, I had gotten into the Fashion Institute of Technology, Parsons. Wow. Um, School of Design in New York and several other really top programs, but made the choice to go more traditional and follow this dream I had for so long to be a doctor to help others, especially young adults and children. So that was the journey I was on and I accomplished the goal. i'm in I'm in this doctorate program. but then, you know, there is something called most of us, you know, we don't always listen to it, our intuition, our inner voice, yeah. where we have this sense of knowing. And it was really a a leap of faith for me to take such a drastic pivot from this academic and health field to pursue my, you know, this overwhelming desire to help people through my love of fashion. And so I I finished up early with my master's, moved to New York, went on to the Fashion Institute of Technology because I really was interested in the business side of things, the technical knowledge. I felt, you know, I had the creative aspect within me. Parsons at the time was very art focused, which they have an incredible program. But I knew nothing about fashion. And I really wanted to get into the weeds of production and textiles and the business and merchandising side. So FIT was the choice. And so after graduating from FIT, my first Employment opportunities actually led me into interior design, and that led me into commercial real estate. Um, and eventually, I landed back in New York to launch my namesake collection called Nova Lorraine. And that awarded me the Best Haute Couture Designer of the Year award in New York City um, at the time, and then went on to be recognized as a rising star by the fashion group International. Two years in a row, went on to have my designs featured on The View um, in films, um, one by Robert Altman, getting featured in Italian Vogue, Essence Magazine. I mean, it was an incredible ride. Wow. I will also say that when I launched my fashion company, I also was the mom of two young little babies. Um, oh, my gosh. I was- <laughs> never would have known that. You look 20. <laughs> oh my I'm going to claim that. I'm going to hold on to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I never would
1: have thought of that. And um, so it was challenging being uh, a mother, an entrepreneur, being in New York. You know, I was still very, very new to New York. I didn't have I didn't have deep roots and contacts in the fashion industry like a lot of my classmates did or I was brand spanking new. I had a dream. I had my business plan and and that's all i thought i needed and big kahunas <laughs> <laughs> you know ignorance is bliss um that journey was incredible but it brought the the same highs it brought it also brought equal lows and you know i had this aha moment of how i could answer this call to help others through my journey as a designer and that's when yeah. rain magazine came to me and i wanted to put a platform in the market that didn't exist that i wish i had on my early years and you know uh, still very much appreciate. And so rain is to this day still the platform to feature the rising the future of fashion culture and technology. And this is our fifteenth year and its wow. mission is to inspire, empower, and educate the creative entrepreneur. I feel that those of us that are creative, very much an artist but want to drive, a product or mission from a visionary standpoint to impact a community is a very unique space to be in. And it's a very lonely journey and challenging journey. And I wanted to, you know, use this platform as a way to grow a community or to show the community that there is some, you know, others out there like them that's doing it. And if they can see these stories as a means of being inspired to never give up on their dreams, then I've accomplished my Goals as what I wanted to do with Rain, and so Rain has expanded into a podcast network called Pink Kangaroo, a book called Unleash Your Supernova, which is my my uh, a, a, a collation of stories and insight and wisdom as a creative entrepreneur, as a mother, as an artist, you know, as someone who wants to impact you know, a large number of people through my love, through my passions. And it really shows you how you can accomplish that, how you could take your ideas to execution without burning out. And I'm sure a lot of us can be, um, can relate to that feeling of burnout. And, and so that's something that I think is super important, especially for the artists, because I feel like that risk is a little higher for creatives because you're doing what you love and and you're juggling a lot of things. So yeah. that's what, that's what inspired me to launch Unleash Your Supernova. And, Rain actually was the gateway, my gateway into this emerging tech world. Back in 2013, we came across Bitcoin and I did a story on that. And the more I researched this thing called cryptocurrency, Uh um, the more fascinated I became. And uh, (laughs) to the point where I actually was trying to get a mining machine to mint mint Bitcoin, even though I didn't know nothing like what I was doing, but wasn't uh-huh. successful at getting my hands on a, a mining machine. <clears throat> but I, oh I, I loosely stayed connected with the space and 2017 um, decided to invest in Ethereum, which I saw as that next big uh, yeah. Yeah. tech platform for blockchain yeah. and being sort of the, you know, the next yes. uh, technology and coin behind Bitcoin. So 2020 started to day trade, um, and that was really exciting. But I think what I took most from that is the knowledge that I gained from taking the time to learn about these technologies in the blockchain space. And, and- you could
0: handle the watching that
1: go up <laughs> 65,000
0: and down 100 and up 200 and down. Oh my god, I couldn't watch it when John bought. Buck- <laughs> Both of those, Bitcoin and Ethereum. I said, please don't show me. It's going to freak (laughs) me out, you know.
1: You definitely need a thick skin. And if you are knowledgeable about the technology um, and what's coming, it definitely makes that roller coaster of a ride with crypto a little easier (laughs) to handle. Kudos
0: to you, my girl. (laughs) Wow, you are tough.
1: Yeah, so that's that's my journey in a nutshell. You know, Rain introduced me to Bitcoin, Bitcoin introduced me to Ethereum, Ethereum led me to day trading which took me into the rabbit hole of blockchain and then I took a personal interest in blockchain and fashion and tokenization and uh, started advising because I've been advising alongside designing for the last couple decades and so really shifted my attention into emerging tech and working with founders and creators that are in the space or looking to launch in the space. And so I've been doing that since uh, 2021, um, full-time advising and consulting and teaching and podcasting. And uh, that's how I got introduced to the founders of Lore. And now I'm just really excited about the journey ahead, which is diving Mm -hmm. deeper into how fashion is going to continue to collide and change and evolve due to these emerging technologies and being a leader in that space, not just as a speaker and educator, but also as a designer. And I was fortunate oh. enough to get accepted in and graduate from the NASA Tech Transfer Accelerator in partnership with Virginia Tech Science and Research Park this past oh summer. Oh. And oh Lord. what was birthed from that was the house. Oh, of you Nova. superwoman. <laughs> Ah,
0: Hey, but I guess that's too dated.
1: Yeah. Nova, supernova woman, (laughs) supernova woman. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm bringing together data, AI, AR and fashion, specifically my interest is couture, the fine art of fashion is what I call it and taking that into the future and allowing more access, you know, to this medium. To a wider wider audience, and being able to, you know, be a leader as it relates to reducing waste and inspiring, you know, Mm -hmm. higher quality garment production, um, garments that really help us express ourselves, maybe digitally or physically, and fit, on demand (laughs) production, bespoke collections, you know, body body scanners, sort of moved away from, yeah body scanners and being able to
0: get something that fits everybody. That's been my whole premise of my show is the fit. But that's a tiny niche in all the things that you do. So I'm going to segue back to you because uh, I want the show to be about you. Tell, um, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but if um, my listeners, many of them, don't really understand what the metaverse is and building your avatar and building your worlds. And, you know, I see out there, you know, Gucci worlds, Louis Vuitton worlds, Tommy Hilfiger worlds. And, and then people are building their own worlds within worlds. So can you explain that a little bit? I mean, you know, not so technically, but as, as a user, um, of the internet, if someone wants to start um, dipping their hand into the metaverse and seeing what they can create, how do you suggest that my listeners do that?
1: Yeah, I love that question. I'll just uh, start with my iteration of what the metaverse is. Um, There's a lot of definitions out there. Uh, Of course, back in the fall of 2021, Facebook announced their brand. Uh, change brand name change to Meta and what they're doing in the metaverse. And as you mentioned, we have really big fashion companies that have also taken that leap into the space of um, Web3. Yeah. So, the metaverse, I would say, in terms of where we are now, it's a way to experience things in three dimensional, in a, in a three dimensional environment and right now when we go online we are interacting in a two-dimensional environment we're looking at images and text and we're scrolling and we're clicking and what the metaverse experiences are providing is for us to either in a first person view without an avatar or with a digital representation of ourselves or our alter egos to walk into these three-dimensional rooms and or environments or spaces and to either engage socially, purchase items, or be educated through uh, courses or workshops or conferences. And so one of my first experiences in a 3D environment was moderating a a conference, a panel of speakers in a three-dimensional room as an avatar. And myself and the speakers were on stage looking at an audience of avatars. And okay. I had to use my keyboard to navigate. I didn't need a headset. And that's another misunderstanding. You do not need a, a headset okay. um, to experience these 3D environments. Some you do. Um, you will have enhanced features, for example, in a, in a Microsoft environment called AltSpace with a headset. Of course, Horizons with, with uh, Facebook. What button. was the you other one before Alt AltSpace. Alt space, okay. You can experience their environments without a headset, but there are advanced features and a, unique, a more unique experience with a headset. Um, Horizons, you do need a headset. But a lot of the new builds and metaverse worlds right now are being launched as browser-based environments where you're just clicking through the .com or the .io uh, to enter into those environments on your computer and with some, so you on choose your- which reality you want to go into. You're absolutely, absolutely. So, if you wanted to um, go into Sandbox, which is a pixelated world similar to Minecraft, you would go onto their website and you would choose the experience you want, and you don't need a headset. If you want to experience Decentraland, which is a decentralized world which is not owned by one entity such as a Horizons like that's owned by Meta slash Facebook. Um, you can also experience Decentraland without a headset. And there are many others, um, mm-hmm. smaller, privately owned, metaverse worlds. So that's where we are right now. It's this 3D experience mm-hmm. and of it, environments and spaces. Is it more for
0: social interaction or is it more for business
1: or pleasure or... Well, or the gaming I mean, space really we, led... Yeah. Yeah, we, I'm sorry to me cut you off. off. I was like... The gaming space really led the way yeah. with the interest in the in met, in metaverse experiences. And if you've ever played Fortnite, if you ever played Minecraft, if you were one of the early adopters of Second Life, these are versions of metaverse worlds. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> um, nephews, not me. <laughs> Roblox is another very popular gaming environment. Gucci Garden uh, did a project with Roblox a lot of um, the designer brands. And then you'll find some in Decentraland and Sandbox as well. Uh, Snoop Dogg has a mansion in Sandbox, which drove a lot of attention um, to that world and that space to create value for people to build around that uh, experience. Mm -hmm. But where I see the metaverse going, it's going to continue to include other emerging technologies, such as blockchain. You do not need blockchain to experience the metaverse. You do not need NFTs. Um, or engage with NFTs within the metaverse environment, but you will start seeing these experiences incorporated more and more in these 3D environments. You're also going to see the transformation of websites going from 2D to 3D. So you're going to have your corporate quote metaverse, you're going to have personal metaverse spaces. Um, I also see the word metaverse eventually fading into the background, just like we stop saying information highway in the world wide web. Right. Yeah. Uh, no one says WWW anymore. You know, right. when they're talking about their website, when they're referencing their online store, they don't say, go to my online stores. They, they just say, go to gap.com or whatever yeah. their store is.com. And so I, you know, we're, these terms that we're using now is a way for us to Initiate. identify the technologies and the features and experiences but as more individuals adopt it and use it, they're going to fade in the background. NFTs are not going to be at the forefront. It may just be referred to as your digital wardrobe or digital art piece or digital asset, if it's mm-hmm. land or virtual land or virtual dress. Or, you know, So the semantics, I think, is one of the issues where you're going to see challenges for people. Um, coming into the space, as you said, well, how do I even get in? If you don't know the names of the world, you're not going to know how to experience a world. So even just simply going online and what are some metaverse worlds on fashion, around fashion or around um, gaming or around NFTs. And there's so many you know, spaces now that are being developed and launched and going into one that, that aligns with your particular interest and experiencing it for yourself. And seeing what you like and what you don't like. that we're so, so early. The tech is still a little clunky. The user interface, depending on which world you're in is still a little um, hard to navigate, but it's only going to get better. And you know I say we're day one of ten thousand um, in this in this journey of web three and and metaverse environments. But that I would say just doing a qu- quick search online to see what worlds appeal to you and just go in them and test them and experience them
0: well, I had, uh, I'm sure you've heard of these, Big Thinks. I had them on the show. They do all kinds of, you know, 3D and they make merchandise. They keep their data on what they sell with their scanner. And they recently merged my technique of body length uh, with, I mean, waist length, the space of the waist into their... Uh, measurement scheme that they have for scanning. Then I spoke to we had 3D look on here mm-hmm. and Tracy Greenan who Greenan yep. who is a designer of uh, 18, 14, 18, 25 and carat gold jewelry. And uh, I think you would love all the people in those companies because they are just. Maybe not quite as excited as you are, but they are very, very, very excited about what they are
1: doing also. Tracy definitely is right on your wavelength. Oh, and, yeah. I'm Tracy and I know each other. Oh, goody, goody. Well. and
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm familiar it, with 3D looks as well. Oh,
0: yay. Yay, yay. I'm sure you do. And Chevy at Big Thinks and all of their stuff, you would adore him as well. And Elisabetta, uh, who, Borgie, who used to... Uh, do all of his advertising and, and marketing for him until he, you know, really got off and sailing. And, and I just want to ask one thing and it may be just really uh, not outside of the box, but do you think that in some way, uh, when you're creating in this world and I realize I haven't experienced it because I haven't known how to really get there and do it, but, when you're doing, when you're in the world, do they actually have like methods for building? Like on Snoop Dogs, are you able to know how much putting in the foundation is going to cost and how much this, how much that? Like, are you learning what it takes to actually do that versus just building it out of fantasy? Is there a learning curve? Is there an experience that could possibly, what I'm getting at is Sort of teach you how to create your own reality and what that costs, and what that costs emotionally, physically, mentally, and every other way, just as part of a spiritual tool. You know what I mean? That's what I've taken from this metaverse, being older and being someone who doesn't get it and didn't game was my masseuse always did the garden one and the uh, house where she built her garden and put anything in her garden she wanted and built her house. I don't know what the name of that was. But she was so into it because it was just like an escape for her just to do that, you know, because she was taking care of her brother who was ill. And it was just the most wonderful escape for her. And I thought, you know, that's really good. They have that. But then I started thinking, well, actually. It could go another step up where you actually learn stuff about what all of that involves and in terms of finance and who you need to contact, you know, like, when do you need an architect? When do you need, you know, the difference between architecture and designer and builder and contractor and all these different things. And if you're building cars, ditto, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that ruins it because <laughs> it brings it down into too much of a reality that they, the old 3D reality, the old regular reality, and they don't. Uh, people are trying to get away from that. I don't know. Uh, that's what I want your expertise. Yeah, on. no,
1: that's an excellent. First of all, the the idea of using the metaverse more for a spiritual, for spiritual growth and well being, I think is powerful, and there is a community that I'm a part of that. Is very much an advocate for a more mindful metaverse. So I love the example that you shared with your colleague on the gardening um, side of things, and and we have things like soundscapes that are that are being built and experiences like that. Um, there are me- I have that medication. actually. My husband has soundscape. Yeah, there's like meditation rooms and yeah. things like that that you can create. So, frequencies. And- yes, the Sylvijo frequencies. Absolutely. So, we are seeing some of that. We are seeing conversations around mental health and well being. Um, I would say, is there, to your question, is there a world that's going to allow you to pick your materials, create the costing around that, and then take that to the next step? find the architect within that world and then start building, not to my knowledge. I can't say it doesn't exist because I don't know about it, but I, it's, it's something that I haven't come across or heard of just yet. Um, where I've seen the experiences fall is that gaming experience where you're choosing to be a character of some sort and you're choosing a blank slate to build on. Then you have those worlds where you're able to purchase a home or piece of land, and then add to the interior experience and or build on that land with the help of the developers of that world okay and there and then you have more of like a flat fee cost if you're a business, you can also work with a team of developers, purchase land in bigger worlds, which may be more costly. And but it's create not an real
0: experience. money, is it? It's not, you don't have to use your own money, do you? Oh, I mean, yeah. Real mo- oh, Very
1: real money. Oh, yeah. I mean, virtual lands are running between $6,000 and $100,000. Wow. And so, so you actually races.
0: buy all of this for online in your world. Yes. So
1: so that's where purchasing. the money comes in. Absolutely. When you're in a game like Roblox, you're. You no, know, my husband told me that
0: the biggest thing was buying land, and I thought he just didn't know. It's a big (laughs) thing. It's only going to get bigger.
1: Now I'm hearing it from Nova Lorraine. I know it's right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Virtual land. It's really um, when you think about gaming and skins in these games where you could purchase to upgrade skills or, you know, wear a different armor or what have you. Similarly, you're doing that as a way of self-expression in games such as Roblox, for example. Um, That just happened to be part of that emerging tech world where Fortnite is not on the blockchain. You're not selling NFTs within Fortnite. Um, But it is a metaverse space. It is a 3D environment that you can experience like a Minecraft. You go in, blank slate, or you pick an environment that you're engaging in um, for that escapism, for that fantasy, or for creativity. And as a business, you can find a world or a partner or a a service provider that's going to find you a world that's suitable for your product or service, um connect you to the builders in that world, give you that pricing of the project. And now you can have, you know, your workshops in that in there or your corporate headquarters from a virtual standpoint or your training academy, um, your retail store. Now, you know, in a 3d environment where your users, your followers, your customers right now can experience your brand, your story in this more immersive way. And Secondly, you can attract a whole new customer base that is gravitating towards more immersive experiences. So again, I stress that we are really, really early. However, the technology is advancing quickly. The the word of mouth in terms of knowledge is increasing. Um, And then there are more founders and and entities that are bringing the education forward. And that's something I'm really passionate about is you can't have access if you don't know what it is, how it works, how to get in, who yeah. to go with. And that's and so- an age
0: curve too and an interest and background curve because kids are growing up with it, let's say 12-year-olds and up. But if you're already past 50 and it hasn't been part of your upbringing or past 60, then you have there's a different learning curve. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. my nieces and nephews can do just – crazy things on there already, and they're not, some of them are eight and 10 and, you know, younger. So I'm, what what size is this market right now? Like, what's the revenue for the metaverse? If you, do you know what it is? Is it not? Yeah,
1: I would say on the conservative end, you're looking at 1.3 trillion in terms of a market size by 2030, and on the um, higher end, 13 trillion. And so we're most already there. In, is it already there? Or that's what they. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is for 2030. We're looking at on the low end 1.3 and on the high end, higher end 13 trillion. And oh. when you're looking at most market sizes, you're still in the billions. So for the metaverse to you know, be projected to have that level of growth tells you that it's real, it's here, it's not going anywhere. It's only going, going to continue to grow. What what do you
0: think it is right now about 9 billion or no, not that much. Um,
1: I know I'm just thinking in terms of, I know the real estate sales, I believe around like half a million. Okay. Um, for last year. Um, but I don't have the current numbers probably not on top of my not head that right much, now. but
0: yeah, I think I was I was told by someone, but I didn't write it down because I hadn't sourced it, you know, by three or four people. So anyway, right. I just it's starting and it's it's planned to grow. That's that's the point you're making. And it fits in with the sustainability. It's good for the planet. Um, is that, but what does it do for retailers? <laughs> what does it do for those trying to make it, like Macy's and Bloomingdales and people like that, that can't, you know, that are trying to get their sales for clothing through? Yeah, I think what I was talking about with some some of the folks in retail was that. Trying to gear people away from fast fashion and into better garments that will last longer and not be so, so trendy that they just throw them away because they've gotten into this habit with the sheen and mm-hmm. a row we and mm-hmm. style we and all of these uh, companies that most of them are made in China because they're the ones that do it the best at the lowest price, but it's, it is polyester. It doesn't biodegrade. And then you're adding to the the climate problem and the planet problem, it isn't good for the planet. So there is a shift that is going. And I've gotten all of the 2023, 2024, all the way fashion trends and everything is saying less is more. Don't buy so many, buy fewer, buy better, and wear them more often and change them up. And there are people like Karamac Mack, who's designed this gorgeous lamb leather boot, out of uh, Brazil, and then she changes the heels. You can take the cap off the heel, like like they used to do earrings when you had clip-ons, and change the outside of them. Same thing for the shoe. Same thing for the boot. And she has sandals, etc. And she even has, if you have a t-strap sandal, she has uh, embellishments that you can put on those and take them off and put them on where well, you're wearing the same shoe with multiple decor or the same boot with multiple slip on and it just means you don't have 20 pairs of boots you have one and this is seems to be the rhetoric and the insight and the uh, soul of the fashion going forward is uh you know buy that fabulous little black dress and have the one buy the fabulous long, black dress for evening and one novelty, unique, spunky cocktail and evening gown, but not 400. You know what I'm saying? One black suit, one. And so the closet space, fabric space, everything. But of course, because I spent 28 years in buying merchandising, developing product, and then writing the 21 books, and now uh, was offered this radio show, I just feel that gee, what's happening to my stores and people actually buying clothes? But I have to remember that it's just a shift from more to few. And I'm I'm just hoping that it doesn't, you know, totally destroy that. What, What I'm thinking and making up in my head, just based on my experience, is that it'll probably create more little boutiques again that'll get back to customer service it'll get back to unique people buying and merchandising for their specific clients and it won't be these just like the days of the malls and the days of the great big department
1: stores i don't know that's what i'm thinking well i first of all your observation is is absolutely correct and i do just want to make a point in terms of real estate sales it's a half a billion, not a half a million. so I just want oh, to yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Crack yeah, my statement there. yeah, so um, if you're Thank already you. looking at this small segment in the metaverse market as being a half a billion dollars uh, in sales, wow. that's that's huge, right? This that is game. unfathomable, you know, virtual real, real, real estate virtual real yeah, estate. I know so, um, real estate. to your in terms of retail and fashion, and how does this affect it? How does it impact it? And are we moving to an, uh, a new generation of slower fashion, more high quality fashion? I mean, this is all like my ears ring with excitement as when you were talking, I was like, yes, give me more, give me. When I launched my namesake label, um, however many years ago, I was definitely one of the few that focused on handmade quality over quantity yes. Um creating a core wardrobe and being able to identify silhouettes that really work for you, colors that really work for you. And you come back year after year with an updated sleeve or updated collar, updated color or fabric. And you feel amazing every time you're wearing this because you know, the quality has gone into it. You know, these are beautiful, natural fibers fits you amazing. And there is a mental health component to fashion. Yes. And so, you know, you know, I was having a conversation with someone recently and they mentioned garbage in, garbage out. Now this is relating to, you know, any service provider you use, if you give them low quality at the beginning, what they produce, no matter how great they say they produce, it's going to be low quality at the end. So it starts with that creative vision and the direction and all of that. Well, let's look at that in terms of fashion. If you're wearing something that was produced in unethical st- in environments, Um, and with, you know, textiles that potentially harm our bodies and they were not made with care and attention, how is that going to make you feel when you're wearing it? That's right. And when we really understand the connection between self-expression, what we put on our bodies and our mental health, that's going to really impact how people view what they wear and why they wear it. You know, yeah. when I was in grad school, I was doing a lot of studies around the power of communication and the psychological impact of colors and textures and and then also how we communicate non-verbally and the impressions that we make that we may not even know. And I remember this one experiment, we were in a cafeteria on the college campus and I had um, my group of um you know, was it individuals that volunteered for the experiment, they had a survey and they had to rate the personality of every person that came through the door based on solely what they were wearing. And it was so interesting how someone was rated based on the color that they wore, um, the silhouette that they wore. And it was like, wow, you think this person is nice because they're wearing blue? (laughs) It was just (laughs) complete strangers. It was so interesting to do those experiments and, and what about me in black twenty four seven and and you, you, you ask yourself or we don't often and we should why are we wearing what we're wearing yeah how is it making us feel yeah. there are there's research around mm-hmm. certain fabrics making us feel better and happier yeah. for example wool over other fabrics mm-hmm. so if we knew this if the general population knew certain natural fibers Shelf make you feel versus one way or another. poly cotton versus polycotton. cotton yeah yeah and so this is ammunition that these companies have these retailers have to continue to push forward a movement that's not only for the environment but it's also for us and our well-being and our yes. and our mental health because if we understand more intimately how we're connected to the environment because that's also an issue we're very mm-hmm. much disconnected from yes. the environment we see ourselves and as separate from the environment where we're all one, right? Like the environment needs us and we need the environment. Yes. And without the environment, we're not here. Right. And so if we even just understand that basic connection, then it's easier to push these movements forward with slower fashion, um, more ethically made clothing, higher quality clothes, you know, in innovations that you mentioned regarding the Brazilian boots with the swap out heels. And then, where the metaverse Just so you know the name, it's Kara Matt with a K. (laughs) Kara. Kara Awesome. Kara is. You would love her too. It It sounds like. She's in
0: Connecticut. She's near you. You have to check her. You would adore
1: her. Uh, I love it. She's also
0: tall and skinny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I feel where the metaverse comes in, it allows these retailers to create a digital environment where they can test these new styles. They can better understand the needs of their customers, you know, through these more immersive experiences. They can expand their stories. They can even educate their customers more easily, more inexpensively on the benefits of slower fashion, um, more quality made goods. And why why should the customer pay more for this? What benefit is it to them? So these 3D immersive environments, we mm-hmm. know have a greater impact than 2D environments. And if we use that with positive intention, if we say, hey, we're going to be able to drive this point home more strongly if we do it in an immersive environment, such as a metaverse environment versus a 2D environment where you're just looking at pictures and scrolling and clicking, let's bring these positive messages into these immersive environments so we can increase the more quality, sustainable fashion that's going to only benefit us from a mental health and well-being yeah. standpoint. So that's where I feel retailers can really take advantage of the space of the metaverse is look for a trusted partner that can create their story, that can create, you know, a fantasy version of their store or an extension of an experience for their brand or a digital twin of their existing offices or storefronts. And bring the consumer in and add value and and educate them along the way where they are supporting this movement and Mm -hmm. or being aware of this movement alongside you. If they can't
0: understand the earth human relationship, perhaps, perhaps they could understand that the person, the many persons that are sewing those clothing in China for Americans, so that Americans can buy something under $20 or under $40. And most things I found out from my granddaughter that she bought Shane for $10, $10, all kinds of things. But the cost is there is a man that has to produce 15 garments for a dollar there is a woman that has to produce you know 8 to 15 garments for a dollar and they don't stop they don't get to eat they can barely go to the bathroom they'll lose their machine they'll get fired they have so many to produce and look at the look at all that's going in to somebody in america with a home and they're not living with 40 people in one apartment you know like i tried to explain this to every young person I see, or every person that I get to know that, you know, I can tell when I look at someone, you know, what fabric they're wearing, and, you know, probably where they got it. Because, you know, this is my business. So, you know, I can't help it. But I realize when they go and buy that, you know, I, and I know those people making the clothes, they want to get that dollar. But if it, there were laws that insisted they have breaks, have lunch, get to drink their water, have bathroom breaks, and they don't have to make so many per hour that the, yeah, the price might go up. Well, so what? Don't buy so many of them. I mean, we've got to get rid of this fast fashion, and it just grows and grows and grows. I mean, you look at Sheen, it's going to be nine hundred trillion, you know, and it's it, it's not planning to go down. I want it to go down. Everybody wants it to go down, not just because. All of the American retailers are losing out to them. Even Target and Walmart have lost their sales to Sheen and people like that. Style Wee, Style Wee, all of those, Bo, Bobu and a million others. <laughs> I can't even pronounce because that's not my choice of buying. But I'm telling you, even when I didn't have any money, was 20 years old in the fashion industry, I bought as expensive as, as I could. And no, I didn't get to buy too many. But it's my grandmother taught me a certain way. And my boss at my first company in Kansas City, Bernard Zindler at Swanson's on the Plaza, which was a really, really carriage trade kind of business back then. And he always taught me put the money in the jacket, because it's takes the most talent and time to produce. It is true, true, true tailoring. So put the money in the jacket. You can buy a little bit less expensive bottoms and shoes until you have the money. Then put the money in the shoes because they're supporting your feet. Then put the money into the rest. Then the blouse because it's next to your body you know, and then the skirts and the pants. But eventually, before long, you're buying, like I say, better, better clothing and fewer of them. And of course, as you age, you still have those clothes. So it's no longer a closet that has a few things hanging. You know, right, as I right. sit here, I have a huge closet. But I'm just saying, we if people can think when they go to buy it, who they're hurting also. Mm. I think it would help them not do it. Mm. But um, thus far, everybody is low on cash and low on money. So they just want to buy something as low as they can that gives them a look and they want to spend as little as possible because they're doing all these other things, planning weddings or planning their kids' weddings or planning to move or planning a trip or planning to buy a new car for a kid or the kid has to buy a new car. Or their child has a new car or an old used car. Not so many of them do that, like back in my day. But uh, they have a car, they have an apartment, and they're paying all this money out. Make you don't have that much disposable income for clothing. But I still try. I still try to say, think about that. Think it. Think your choice through why is that only $10 or why is that beautiful gown only 40 bucks? Why are you getting that great big circle maxi skirt for 20 bucks? There's, there's a catch. You don't get anything for nothing. Someone's paying for it. And to Mm -hmm. think, think about who that is. And that's all I'm going to say. And back to, I hope everybody does trade up, (laughs) you know, for 2023. And part of that is the metaverse. part of it is getting back into your metaverse and experiencing a lot of variety and all of that, and twenty changes a day and whatnot. You can do that on the metaverse
1: that's right that's right Especially that's another real really great point where those that are into changing their look, you know through fast fashion can do that digitally without harming the environment or harming a family through you know, them having to produce based on these expectations of the exports that are coming out of those factories. So I I feel that a little bit, it's going to go a long way and a little, you know, if everyone does a little bit, we're going to see change. And I do believe that education is part of that, just bringing awareness, not from a guilt standpoint. I think that, you know, we, it's a method that is a go-to for a lot of marketing um, companies and individuals, but it's not sustainable. If you're able to teach someone, not through fear, but through love, to your point, you're buying that, who's being hurt because you're able to pay $20 And if you were there and
0: you saw them, like, you know, we used to travel to factories when I was in New York, and you'd see when we're doing product development and doing lines of clothing out of Hong Kong or Taiwan or South Korea or wherever, and Japan at a little bit higher end, the same with South Korea, silks, but you you see everyone working in there. You know what I mean? And yeah. you see them. And at many times, the exact same silk quality that I was buying for my promotional lines, say, because I was in better uh, bridge designer because uh, I didn't do collections overseas for designer. You just bought the designer. Yep. And the... Better, we would go take the designer, take it to Hong Kong, knock it off, so to say. They had a beautiful silk blouse, made a certain way, 14 stitches to the inch. You know, what was the mummy? What was the price per yard? Get the blouse exactly like the one you had. And then you can land it, you know, maybe for $20 and retail it for $250. After everything is done, after you put it on sale, you're still making keystone. Whereas you go see that exact same quality, the exact same blouse, 14 stitches to the inch, the very same silk. It has a label on it, a designer label on it. And anyway, you're paying 600 for that. Or a thousand for that. And sometimes it isn't a better quality. But I will give all the designers, the true designers are the creators of what gets knocked down into, knocked off into other levels. So you need that high fashion in order to get the interest. And then you see what that 0.01% of the people are buying when they buy their $1,000 blouse and their 15, $1000 dress or 25000 um and then you see what really sells and then you knock it off you go and take it somewhere and have it made so that you can sell it for 300 or 600 or later knock it down again to 100 or 40 but it's never going to get down to $10 it's never going to get down to $10 in the United States and even at high-end factories in Hong Kong, you're not going to get it down to the price of the polyester. But that fabric on your skin, I can't even wear polyester or even poly blends. A, I get so hot. B, I get a rash. My skin's very sensitive. I have to wear natural fibers. And unfortunately, if anybody gives me something and it's a polyester, I don't keep it because I can't wear it. And I don't have room in my closet now that I'm older. And all those little bits of clothes have become a
1: huge closet because yeah. I bought them timeless.
0: I yeah, they're timeless. timeless. And
1: um, yeah, my mom will pull out things from 20, 30 years ago and it still looks, you know, just... And then she will she will adjust some things. She'll take it yes, to the sneakers exactly. or tailor. She'll cut Me it, too. she'll cinch it, she'll whatever. But it's so well-made. And yes. it's sad that we... As a collective, as a community, have been okay with lessening the quality of anything and everything that we use because it just says it reflects back on us, you know, um, if you purchase That's- something and you use it two or three times, may it be your sweater or your wash machine, when it breaks or when it unravels, how does that make you feel? It doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, you spend more money anyway. And so it's it's a big game, and we just need to wake up to it. One of the things that, Came to me to share as you were speaking with the independent designers, sort of inspiring this ho- this spiral effect of um, how to take this original design and make it more accessible. Yeah, is that with emerging technologies such as blockchain, such as three D immersive environments that we're now calling metaverse, such as um, ownership of digital assets, you know, thanks to smart contracts, such as um, that are created with NFTs, that these independent fashion designers have the ability to reach a new community, to reach a customer base with a lot less overhead. They can test samples, they can test product, they can get these designs out there in front of individuals and maybe create licensing deals with the bigger companies, um, You know, partner and collaborate with these tech companies to get their products out there to a bigger audience without hurting the environment. Because Mm -hmm. typically the younger, when I say younger in terms of how long they've been around in the industry, um, you could be 60 and just starting your business. That young company, that independent designer is typically producing more sustainably. And so if we give the opportunity to more independent designers, to more, you know, small and mid-sized businesses, by making these technologies accessible to them, may it be through lore, you know, this hyper-realistic metaverse world with retail um, opportunities, or through digital assets, you know, companies that providing opportunities like 3D looks, taking your digital wares and making it, you know, 3D, or through companies such as DressX or Fabricant, that's within that digital only space. And helping, you know, create these uh, opportunities of expression that way and partnering with independent designers to bring those designs to life to a bigger audience. These are all ways that we can do a little to create a bigger impact, not just for the end consumer, but also for the environment and also for the artist and, and the creator. You know, again, going back to our um, earlier conversation around connecting the dots between ourselves and the environment and really understanding that it starts with us, me, I, and the more you value yourself, the more you're going to demand from your environment, you're going to want a healthier environment, you're going to want to wear, you know, higher quality clothes, you're going to want to eat higher quality foods. And then it's the consumer that can create this demand yeah. to force the manufacturers That's to right. force the
0: product That's creators. Right. To if you're not selling it, you're not going to get to keep doing it. You know, you've gotta be have, it's got to have the revenue. Well, unfortunately, our time is out and we're going to have to sign off. But uh, what would you like to close with? We've got maybe a minute. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, first I just want to say thank you. I love the passion and interest uh, that you have in the fashion space and the interest you have in emerging tech as well. Um, So it's always nice and refreshing to talk to someone in fashion, especially with the years of expertise and knowledge you have. So thank you for the opportunity to be here with you Thank
0: you, Nova. You are really a game changer. You're a great revolutionist and we're just happy to have you out there And I'm glad you're buddies with all these other people because you're such a force together, you know? You're more force together than alone. And you are amazing. You are amazing. Now I've told my boss all about you, and I hope you'll have a conversation with her because we need you on the air. I know you have podcasts, but I don't care. Voice America needs you. I just want to say thank you so much, Nova. And I gotta sign off now because we're out of time. Thank you for listening to The Space of the Waste. Please join host Melody Edmondson again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next time.